and welcome to another Tusk Talks Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Adam Chalk, and I am here to give my honest opinions on the things we like or dislike from all the goings-on in professional wrestling, from shows like WWE, Monday Night Raw, Friday Night Smackdown, NXT, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, Impact Wrestling, as well as pay-per-views, premium live events, and some indie shows, as well as talking about the latest news headlines doing the rounds. So why not go ahead and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello and welcome to the midweek edition of the Tusk Talks Wrestling Podcast. As I said, I am your host, Adam Chalk, and this is the NXT review. Uh, where do we start with this show? Rubbish, I guess, is the best thing to say, but let's go for it. Because maybe some of you thought differently than I did. NXT this week starts with the returning Grayson Waller after his suspension. And he was up against Tyler Bate. Uh, during the entrances we see JC Jane showing up with that stupid facial expression that she has. Uh, Waller throws hard strikes. Um, a hard right hand straight away after the bell. Which got him in control of the match. He was calling out Shawn Michaels as he was hanging Bate over the top rope. Uh, Tyler Bate came back and hit a nice drop kick, which got a two count. But a backdrop driver slows him down. Waller nails a knee lift, which got him a two count. Uh, Bate again came back and hit a suplex, followed by standing shooting star. The fight made it to the outside and Waller sends Bate into the announce table. And then nails a baseball sliding clothesline. Uh, that takes us to a break. When we come back, Waller was in full control. Bait battles back and counters Waller's finisher with a rebound lariat. He then hit a second rope elbow uh, and a high angle slam, which got him a two count. Bait then did an airplane spin and a sort of Death Valley driver, which also got him a two. Waller, though, nails a back heel kick and hits his beautiful flipping unprettier thing for two. He then mocks Shawn Michaels, switching music, but he gets caught by big punches and a super kick from Bate. Uh, Waller grabs the ropes, though, and then he tries to roll Bate up, holding on to those ropes. The referee catches him, and Bate does a roll-up of his own and wins the match. And after the match, we get Grayson Waller flipping out and berating the referee as they go off through the crowd. This was a decent but very basic match. Uh, it served its purpose, I suppose, of giving Tyler Bate a, a win, as I think they are going to be pushing him towards the top of the card, rightfully so as well. And it also gave Grayson Waller a reason to sort of flip out and have more issues with Shawn Michaels, which we'll get to well, pretty soon. <laughs> because we then see a video of Brooks Jensen admitting that he's never kissed a woman before. Man, I could not wait to see how this all played out. Jesus Christ. On a wrestling show. Um, we then see JC Jane walking towards the entrance way, pulling every unbearable facial expression imaginable. Uh, we also see Grayson Waller shouting at Shawn Michaels. He gets kicked out, basically. Uh, 
We come back from a break and we get a video of Apollo Crews moaning about Dabacato attacking him last uh, two weeks ago, wasn't it? I'm not a fan of these Apollo Crews videos at all, if I'm honest. And then we went to JC Jane in the ring for a promo, unfortunately. She says that last week was the end of the toxic attraction story and now it's all about her. And everyone's been talking about her. Uh, no, they haven't. For those of you asking if she regrets what she did, the only thing she regrets is not pulling the trigger sooner. She replaced what happened last week on the screen. And my God, this she is the worst promo there is in wrestling, I think. I can't help but cringe every time she opens her mouth. It's just terrible. Surely those in charge can hear this shit. Uh, I just sat there and I, I audibly said the words, come on, cut her fucking mic. It's that bad. Uh, I couldn't listen to the rest of her promo, if I'm honest, because it was just hurting my head. Terrible. We then go back to Chase U. Uh, they're in the back with a jumpy fear hail after being abducted for about 30 seconds last week. She's going to face her fear, though, and give it an Andre Chase University-sized ass-whooping. And it was Fear Hale versus Tiffany Stratton in the next match. Fear was sort of keeping one eye open for schism during this one. And after a brief flourish, uh, she sees the dyad stood up in the crowd. Stratton sort of takes advantage of this, but then... Thea fights back, but then she sees Joe Gacy in the eagle's nest. Again, Stratton attacks from behind. Uh, she hits a f spring ball flipping sent on for two. Thea again fights back, hits a suicide dive, but this time Ava Rain stood there in the crowd. Stratton does a version of You Can't Escape, hits that beautiful moonsault and wins the match. This was really stupid because it took three distractions for Stratton to finally get in control and win the match. Poorly laid out match. Uh, in Stratton, this is a woman that Sean's trying to push, but instead made her look really weak with this. Fear Hell did sell being scared pretty well. I do really like her, but I don't like whatever this story is. Also, why didn't Duke Hudson or Angie Chase just go and get the schism? They were literally 20 yards away, if that. It doesn't make sense if you think about it. But I could watch that moonsault all day that Stratton does, so at least we got that. Ivy Nile and Tate and Paxi were chatting in their dojo when uh, Javier Bernal... Walked in with an opportunity for Paxley to be his, I think he said, having, having time or something. Oh, be his Valentine anyway, I don't know. When she says she's already taken, he turns to Ivy Nile, says the exact same thing. She sort, sort of says, yeah, sarcastically, that she'll be his Valentine, then chokes him out with that reverse guillotine thing. Then we get Isla Dawn's voice which I think was meant to be a ghostly voice in the room, but you could hear 
pretty easily that it was just her on a microphone, probably the other side of the, the wall. Ah, oh, so bad, all of this. <clears throat> Axiom versus Damon Kemp was then up next. Axiom blasts Kemp with a drop kick right from the start. Uh, Kemp tries to bail but gets nailed with a suicide dive. Back in the ring, Axiom goes for a Costadora, but uh, Kemp counters with German suplexes. He hits a running clothesline on the floor. Axiom fights back with kicks and a crossbody, but Kemp rolled through and then took his head off with a clothesline. He then delivered a stalling German for two. Again, Axiom back with a punt kick and golden ratio and wins the match. I'll start off by saying Axiom's awesome. Uh, even if the match wasn't fantastic, he was pretty good here. But oh, Damon Kemp. I would guess that all Damon Kemp has been doing the last couple of months while he hasn't been on TV is working on German suplexes and clotheslines because that was literally all he had. Um, I, I don't see anything in Damon Kemp to tell me that he's going to be around for a long time Axiom needs something way more than this to get his teeth into in my opinion we can see uh, a Twitter post from Brooks Jensen taking Kiana James out on their date which left one question really did Jensen manage to bang her <laughs> what a story Fred this is for NXT uh, we then see Briggs and Hen uh, Henley backstage where Henley says she has to go and tell Brooks about Zach um, we see a video from Grayson Waller as he's being thrown out must have been a is it a Facebook live or a Twitter live or something I don't know but he's being thrown out of the arena are we actually going to get Grayson Waller versus Shawn Michaels at Stand and Deliver? It sort of seems that way. That would be amazing if we get that. <clears throat> Braun Breaker is then out for a promo. Uh, he says that the next challenge ahead of him feels different. And it's what everyone wants to see, right? Me versus him. But just as he says that, Jinder Mahal and Indusheer come out. Jinder says a great champion should always expect the unexpected and he respectfully interrupts because for a year Breakers carried NXT on his back but he knows the pressure that Breakers under. Some of the fans were turning against Bron Breaker here. I think it was only a small handful but it was certainly audible and it probably means that the booking of Bron Breaker has not been good lately. Booking him in these long, boring matches. When you can tell that he's just built for quick, hard-hitting sprints. So it's kind of wasting his talent a little bit. For some reason, they had Jinder bring that up as well, which is stupid. Uh, he goes on to challenge Bond to a match for the title next week. Breaker calls in to share the new 3MB and then... I don't know, match is set anyway. Jesus Christ, this segment was crap. And it felt completely flat with the crowd as well. Let's be honest, nobody wants to see Jinder Mahal in a title match. And I 
do not understand why they wrote for Jinder to bury Breaker, especially when the crowd is starting to turn. Just felt really weird. <clears throat> it's almost like they needed to do something to, you know, win back the crowd. Call an audible and just have Breaker smash the, all three guys. I don't know. Katana Chance and Caden Carter apologised to Roxanne Perez backstage for last week. And they say it would be an honour to face the final boss, Mako Satamora, later tonight. Uh, Roxanne Perez thanks her for coming, uh, to which Satamora says she has her reasons to be there. We'll get to that after the main event. <clears throat> Indy Hartwell was being interviewed backstage and she cuts a promo on JC Jane. And then it was time for Wesley and his open challenge match for the North American Championship. And it was Tony D'Angelo's music that hits and he and Stax come out, but Dijak ran out and snatched Tony up. Uh, Stax sort of thinks for a second about just going to the ring anyway, but went back to help Tony out. They head back to the ring and... This is when Von Wagner shows up in the ring, blasts Wesley with a big boot. He is the man to answer the challenge. Wesley throws some kicks, but uh, Wagner throws him across the ring. He also throws Wes to the outside as well. Uh, he smashes his head multiple times into the announce table while Robert Stone's shouting at him to get back in the ring. When he does get back in the ring... He takes Lee's head off with a clothesline. Uh, Lee fights back though and hits a double foot stomp and a moonstolt. He goes for a tornado DDT but gets face planted instead. Wagner went to launch Lee out of the ring to commentary again. But Lee wriggled out and fights back and nails a running knee and the cardiac kick for the win. I still don't see any progression in Von Wagner, if I'm completely honest. Uh, he just looks like a gangly lummox, really. He's pretty useless as well. Uh, Wesley is awesome, though, as we say every single week. There's something coming with the Von Wagner character, though, because later on we did see him flipping out backstage where... Robert Stone says he lost the match because he doesn't have a connection with anyone, doesn't have a connection with the fans. <sighs> if it was still Vince in charge, I'd be thinking we're going to get a dancing gimmick or something from Von Wagner, but something is coming and I I don't know, I'm, I'm here for it. I don't know what it is. Hank Walker shows off his new wrestling gear to Drew Gulak before his match versus Charlie Dempsey. And in that, there was a bit of mirroring early on as they both hit big boots at the same time. Walker locks in an armbar, which he nearly wins with, but Dempsey transitions into his regal stretch variation thing, and Hank has to tap out. After the match, Dempsey locks it in again as Drew Gulak just stands there and looks on. And he and Charlie Dempsey leave together. So this all went pretty much exactly as we all thought it would. And I've got nothing more to say about it. <laughs> I like 
stories that leave you surprised at what's next and leave you fantasy booking but when you are able to see the outcome on day one of a story starting it's just rubbish uh, that's when we have this von wagner backstage segment like i said i don't know where any of this goes but i think it'll be entertaining and then from entertaining to the most boring act in pro wrestling gallus uh, playing pool and drinking beer because that's what all the hard lads do thankfully pretty deadly we're here to make the segment at least watchable they have a game of pool basically and if pretty deadly one they get a title shot all this was so stupid, but in the end, we are getting a title shot because Gallus just said, if you want a title shot, just ask. Uh, pretty deadly. We're, again, quite entertaining here, but, God, Gallus are just boring bastards. Ilya Dragunov was interviewed backstage about being injured by JD McDonough. He's really hard to watch because he's just so weird and way too intense for me, Ilya Dragunov. Uh, we then see Trick Williams in the ring calling out Dragunov. Trick chats shit, basically, as only he can. He's great here, actually. Um, Dragunov comes to the ring and says that Trick is very entertaining and life of the party, but he didn't come back for fun. Should have joined Gallison. Uh, Trick tries to sucker punch, but he gets laid out by an insecurity. McDonough comes out and says, you should be in jail for tearing his retina last week. He says, Dragunov is going to force him to show the fans what he's really capable of and he will beat him so bad that he won't be able to hold his son. Trick comes back in and attacks Dragunov from behind, leaves him laying. Um, and that's it, really. I love Trick a lot, but I love nothing else about any of this. I know both McDonough and Dragunov are great in the ring, and I'm sure the the eventual match will be good, but I'm just not a fan of either man. They're both really weird. Out of the two, I think I'd rather watch JD McDonough, and that's saying something. Uh, we then see Carmelo Hayes backstage with an excited trick. Nothing more to say there, really. <clears throat> and then we get the last part of the Brooks Jensen Kiana James date night, but oh, Fallon Henley shows up and stops the kiss that they're just about to have. Say, Kiana's cheating on Brooks um, because she heard her on the phone say, I love you, Zach. Kiana says, oh, I do love Zach, and poor. Uh, Brooks Jensen, his face just drops because shock horror, Zach's her brother. Who saw this shocking twist coming? Only everybody. Uh, <laughs> she's only gone and ruined his bloody night. <laughs> I, uh, I'm actually saying this on a wrestling podcast. Oh, my life. And then it was time for our main event, though, which was Caden Carter and Katana Chance, who are back being babyfaces this week. What a mess their run is at the moment. But they were taking on the 
brilliant Roxanne Perez and Mako Satamora. Uh, Carter and Perez start off the match, and the former tag champs do their fast-paced double-team moves like they always do in every single match. They work over Perez, but she gets the tag to Satamora. Uh, Carter decides the best idea is to chop her, so she gets the soul kicked out of her by the legend. Uh, suicide dive by Perez and a dive off the apron by Satamora takes us into a break. When we come back, Chance has Perez all tied up with an abdominal stretch. Uh, but Perez tries to fight back and she gets a hot tag to Satmora, who runs wild. She throws hard kicks and a, hits a spin kick to the head of Caden Carter, which gets her a two count. Perez comes back in and hit a handspring twisting moonsault thing for two. Carter, though, comes back, nails a running boot. Uh, Chance comes back in and it's a double foot stomp for two. Satamora back in, uh, but she eats a code breaker. And then uh, Katana Chance does a crossbody to Perez, who's on the floor for the second rope. And then delivers a top rope Hurricane Rana to Satamora. Uh, they set up for their finisher thing that they do, but Satamora. Counters, throws Carter into Chance and then hits this cartwheel kick to the back of the head. Uh, and a Pele kick to Carter. Perez comes in, hits Pump Rocks and picks up the win. Some of this was pretty good. Especially on the side of Satamora and Perez. My one problem with the whole match was the Katana Chance... Um, strikes she has to get more of a snap behind her strikes because it's really letting her down all, you can do all the gymnastics that that you want yes it looks great but if there's no snap behind anything you do it's not believable at all other than that as I said this is okay but I'm much more interested in in the match that was made afterwards, after Mako Satmora challenges Roxanne Perez for the title. Um, I don't know if that's going to be at Stand and Deliver or at, I believe it's, are they having Roadblock on March the 7th, was it? Something like that. Um, I don't know, but if it is at Stand and Deliver, then have this main event. I would say. I think it would be great. So again, not the best show from NXT. But it that is your NXT review. And as always, you can tell us what you thought of the show through our Tusk Talks Wrestling Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter. I am at AdamChalk8 on there. I'll be back tomorrow with the AEW Dynamite review. So until then... I've been Adam Chalk, thank you for listening and I will see you next time.